Did I turn my mic on? I did. Okay, just making sure I had that thing on for you. So that would be awkward to shout at you the whole time. But welcome back. I'm grateful that you're here. And um, we got another cold week, a weekend ahead of us. It's so strange, isn't it? Like last week we were talking about how hot it was and that uh, hopefully it was all over. But nope, it's back. And so uh, enjoy your head cold and sinus infection or whatever you get during this time. But thank goodness all the pollen got washed off the trees, right? Man, thank goodness all that pollen got, got taken down. So... Um, you know, this is, uh, we begin this week turning our hearts towards Easter, Easter Sunday. It's, a, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to believe that Easter is um, quickly approaching us. And as we have looked the last four weeks, we looked at our marriages together. We took a nice look inward into our families. Um, but for the next, um, you know, 30 minutes that we spend together, I really want us to begin looking outward um, because we, can, we have to have a balance between looking inward and looking outward as a Christian. Uh, it's much like driving a car. You know, you don't just stare your entire time looking at your dash, uh, your dashboard, and your your, um, your your gauges and those things, or your radio. God forbid you just crash your car, especially texting and driving. But we have to be able to look out and to see around. And so, as as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're a place in this world not for our own benefit to live a happily, happily uh, uh, you know, an average happy life. Uh, we're here in order to make an impact for the world that we live in. And so today I want to challenge us to look around into the world that we live in. And what I want to ask you to open up your Bibles today and go to Matthew chapter 24. In just a second, we'll take a look at Matthew 24 together. So go ahead and find Matthew chapter 24 in your Bible and we'll, uh, we'll read there. What's happening in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus was on the Mount of Olives and the disciples were coming to him and really questioning him about the things that were to come and the end times. Uh, and I know that that's a topic that has uh, been on my mind a lot through the course of these last couple of years as I've just watched our world change dramatically uh, almost overnight, it feels like. I know it's not been overnight, but it has been an agenda and things that have continued to change and morph our world, our country's particularly, but also in the world in general. And so um, it, it was a, it's a topic that's still on our hearts and minds and a topic that was weighing heavily on the disciples' hearts and minds because Jesus was talking about his departure and they're trying to figure out how's this thing all going to end, you know? These men were going to be left in charge of, of taking this gospel message throughout eternity and throughout the generations to come, carrying this message forward even today. Uh, and they were wondering, like, like, is this going to outlive us? I mean, is this message going to, you know, where does it all end and what, is it all, what all takes place? And so um, let's read the passage of Scripture, starting in verse 3, Matthew 24. It says, Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately, and they said to him, Will you tell us when all this will happen? What sign or signal of your return uh, in the end of the world? How is it all going to go down, God? And Jesus told them, well, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name and claiming that they are the Messiah, and they will deceive many. Write that down and underline that. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. You'll see nations will rise up against other nations and war against other nations and kingdoms against kingdom. And there will be famine and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. And then he gives them some personal hard news. 
and that personal hard news reverberates even to us today. Then you'll be arrested and persecuted and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And verse 11, and many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. As we read this, it almost reads like a newspaper article versus it does scripture, doesn't it? As we see what Jesus told us we're going to experience, I can put names and nations and people groups and scenarios into play and go, wow, is it possible that these are the birth pains that he's been talking about? It sure would appear so. And then Paul would write to us in 2 Timothy. Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy. Important stuff here. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is something, is a verse that keeps me up at night. If you've ever been in my membership essentials class, I always talk about this verse. Because I can't escape our responsibility as believers associated with this. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says this, that, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Do you think we're in a time like that? They will follow their own desires. Think we're in a time like that? And they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth. And they will chase after myths. It is impossible to be awake in this world today and not recognize that these very things that the Lord told us himself and God's word are reverberating true. What God says is going to happen will come to pass. He is faithful to carry out his promises and he is faithful to carrying out his purposes and his plan. And as believers, I don't think there's anyone in the room who would disagree that these things are going to happen. And also, you wouldn't disagree that Christ is going to return. Would you agree with that? You believe that? I believe that with all my heart, that Christ is going to return. I believe that my soul is eternal. I believe that your soul is eternal. No matter which way you believe, whether God is real or not, you have an eternal soul. The choice that you and I have is where we're going to spend eternity. And whether we'll understand and accept the free gift that God gives us to have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, or we'll live in a kind of a a headstrong manner where we think that we don't need that and my life is good enough without a religious kind of protocol. But unfortunately, if we choose to live our lives apart from God, we will spend eternity apart from God. And we know that as a place called hell. It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a place of eternal torment. We wish no one would ever be a part of. We believe that the word of God is true, and we believe that the prophecies that Jesus and the Apostle Paul and John and others in Revelation would be able to tell us that these things are to come. But Rick Warren would say, and uh, the quote that I, I love to repeat from him, he says that we only really believe the parts of the Bible that we actually do. And so we believe this with all of our heart, but 
in connection to that, there is a responsibility that we have. Before I get into our responsibility, though, let me ask you to understand that there is an enemy that we have. Who understands that Satan is our enemy, right? Amen to that? You understand? God's told us that. We recognize that. And so while there's this battle for your soul taking place, for those that have not accepted Christ as their Savior, there's this eternal battle that's taking place for your soul. And Satan is constantly looking to deceive. As we just read in the verse, there's a time coming where people are no longer going to listen to sound and wholesome teaching. The ears of the world are deafening out to the truth of God's word. And they're looking for something that will entice their itching ears. And that's right in line with what Satan is a master at doing. He's a master at at scratching an itch in your ear. He's a master to get you to chase after your own selfish desires in order to promise you that there is some better eternal and more satisfying life and joy associated with his direction. He is a schemer, and he is constantly at work. So in your opinion, based upon what you see in the world today, How well and how effective is the enemy at carrying out his plan to deceive many in our world? How effective is he, in your opinion? Highly effective. How intentional do you think the enemy is in his plans in which to change the hearts and minds of even your children and your grandchildren? How effective is he and how relentless is he and how strategic is he in his pursuit to deceive and to confuse the world we live in. Well, if we're honest, we recognize he's highly effective. He's highly intentional. He's highly strategic. He has a plan. But before we get overwhelmed with his plan, we have to realize that God has a plan, right? And God's overarching plan was that he would use you and I as his mechanism and his tool in which he would help us, we would be responsible to communicate this gospel. And so he gave us two things that I know that you would recognize when we read in Scripture. Matthew chapter 28, if you want to go back to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus would tell his disciples something that we would call the Great Commission. Jesus came to all his disciples and he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So therefore, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations. That speaks to us. We have a responsibility to go and make disciples of all the nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you and be sure of this, that I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. We only believe the parts of the Bible that we actually do. Many of us have some work to do when it comes to our responsibility in the Great Commission. We love to come to church and we love to read the Bible for what it can do to help me in my life and to navigate my problems and to deal with the relationship struggles I have, to help me have wise counsel and discernment for the things that I'm struggling with. And that's wonderful that God's Word is a tool like that for your life, but in reality, we have a responsibility that God has asked you and I to fulfill, and that is to go into all the world and to tell others about Jesus and help them understand how they can have a growing relationship with him as well. And in Mark chapter 12, 
Jesus would give us what he would call the great commandment. He was being cornered by some questions, and he, as he had masterfully always been able to do in the past, he always seems to answer the question to put everyone else kind of on the defense. And one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate, it says in verse 28. And he realized that Jesus had answered well the previous question. And so he asked this question. Of all the commandments, I'll catch you, Jesus. I'll catch you in this one. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replies, well, the most important commandment is this. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the only Lord. He's just asserting the authority in which this law comes from. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. We all desire that, don't we? But the second is equally as important. It's on the same par. It's on the same playing field. There's not just one commandment that's important. There's two, and they work together in harmony. And the second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Your enemy, our enemy, Satan, has a plan to win the hearts and souls of a lost and dying world. Your Father in heaven has a plan to win the souls of a lost and dying world and to bring them to have an eternity with him in heaven. These are two forces that are working against each other, but they're not equal forces. Our God is supreme. Our God is stronger. Our God is greater. And although Satan gets a playing field right now in the world that we're in, he ultimately doesn't win. The crazy part is, is that God would entrust this responsibility to us. So I guess the next question that begs to ask is that in your personal opinion, how well do you think Christians are doing at carrying out the great commission and great commandment that God gave us? How well do you think that we're doing that on an intentional level, on a strategic level? We all quickly answer that Satan is effective and he's working hard and he's strategic and intentional. But when it comes to the Christians that globally carry this responsibility, sometimes we're disappointed in our abilities and what we see the fruit of that. So let me ask you a question that's more personally because you don't have responsibility for all the Christians in the world, do you? You have responsibility for yourself. And so let me ask you just a loving question as a friend. How effective are you at sharing your faith? You only believe the parts of Scripture that you actually do. And God's telling us that this is an important piece. And you try in your life to align yourself in so many different other places. But would you open up your heart and mind to recognizing that you may have a deficiency in this area and recognize that you do have a clear responsibility from Scripture? And with that responsibility, you have a requirement to engage in conversations, even though you may not feel qualified. You may feel nervous. You may feel uncomfortable. We have a responsibility. The enemy has a strategy to reach the lost, shouldn't we? That's the thing that I just keep wrestling with right now as we move into this season of Easter because this is a time of year that people do desire and will come to a church service. They'll participate in some capacity to be a part. 
And so we shouldn't just sit idly by and let Satan kind of run his plan. We should engage. And so today's message is more of a conversation, a friendly conversation. And I'm hoping to encourage you, everyone in this room and everyone who's watching online at home, to engage in attack against the armies of Satan by making sure that we are making him known and turning up Christ in the mix of our conversation in the hopes that some will come to a faith in him. You have no responsibility to save anyone. Did you hear me clearly? You have no responsibility to save anyone, but you have a responsibility to have a conversation about your Lord and Savior and to share the story of what he's done in your life and the story of what he's done in Scripture. You have a responsibility to do that. Question is, are you responsible to that responsibility? It's an interesting way to say it. You see, we know that people will find Jesus in this place. But it's up to you to help get people to this place. Some of you are going to be masters at sharing your faith with others. Some of you just have a natural personality of peace, a logical thought structure, someone who can really have a convert. You have this missionary gift. You can talk to anybody. You've never met a stranger. People like you, you have this ability that you probably have a bigger opportunity and chance to share your faith and to see someone say yes to Jesus because of your personality. Others are just a little more introverted in nature. And for you, the time will come where you're going to have that crucial conversation. But many of us who are introverted are going to say, well, uh, that's not I, that's not my personality. You can at least bring them to this place. Because each week I do my best to try to be a normal, everyday, honest person, a transparent person. I pray that when, they, when you visit this church, whether you're new today, I pray that you don't see someone who's got it all figured out and put together. I'm not. I'm not put together. But I have a God who somehow <laughs> hems me in and goes before me and leads me and guides me. I know he's absolutely real. I know he's 100% faithful. Even though I've got a storm in my life through my wife's cancer that is so pressing and so painful. But he's real. And I know that if you'll just come and experience and sit in the room where God is being spoken about in a real way, in a tangible way that you can have a relationship with him, I know. I know that you'll have to feel something unique and special. And maybe each week you get to experience that personally on your own side. And it's like you know that God speaks to you when you come to this place. And each week you have the pleasure and the ability to do that. But the reality is that there's people in your family and your circles who are not hearing this type of message delivered in this way. Maybe they've had bad experiences with arrogant pastors or prideful ministries. I pray that you never experience that here. But I have experienced that myself. And we have vowed that we would not be a church like that. And so it's a safe place to bring your friends and your coworkers. Because I don't think we're going to turn them off to Jesus. I hope that they'll go, man, I can relate to those people. And so over the next 10 weeks, I just kind of want to tell you where we're going as a church uh, in terms of the messages so that maybe you'd understand the value in this next 10 weeks to invite someone to church. Today I'm preaching a message to kind of challenge us, to help us to get it in the hearts of inviting But then soon we'll begin a message series called Jesus Is. 
And leading up to Easter, we're going to explore the person and work of Jesus Christ. Who, who the Bible says he is, what he's done for us, his sacrifice. And then we'll have a Good Friday service, something we've never done before. It's a Good Friday service. There'll be two opportunities to come to that. It'll be very unique. It's not like your typical church service. Uh, it, and we will, it will be a service that will be specifically centered around his sacrifice. We'll leave at the end of the Good Friday service in a very reflective way with a positive tension because we know that he will resurrect on Sunday. We'll come back to church on Sunday and celebrate his resurrection. Glory and into his majesty and his goodness of all that he's done and how he has the power not just to resurrect himself, but he has the power to resurrect you and I and to transform us. And then once we finish the Easter series, I'm going to go into a series for a few weeks on the character of Paul, the Apostle Paul. You know who he was. He was the chief persecutor of the church. We hate Paul when we first meet Saul. Remember, his name was Saul, later changed to Paul. We hate him. And so I want to spend a Sunday making sure we really hate Paul. <laughs> be kind of fun. We'll call it the hater service. I don't know. But the series will be called Life Change is Possible. And if we can see life change happen in a character named Paul, then we know that he can translate that life change to us, right? And so we'll, we'll hate Paul, and then we're going to love Paul. And then we're going to realize how the church was scared to death of Paul. And we'll begin a study going through chapter by chapter through the book of Galatians, written by Paul. And we'll be able to study what he is talking about on his heart and his mind. We'll see the life change that takes place in him, and we'll see his message and burden that he's carrying to the church of Galatia. It's going to be a really great 10-week journey for us, 10, 12 weeks. I'm not sure how many weeks it'll finally work out to be. But if you know someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ, you, I can't tell you a better season in which to bring them to church because they're going to hear the gospel clearly communicated, creatively communicated in a message that has incredible application to their life. And I just want to encourage you to get people here to hear it and see it. Get them online. Share this message online. And make sure that they're a part of this message. The Great Commission says that as we go, we make disciples. It's not just go into all the world, but it's as you go. You've heard that preached before by me. And so as you're moving around through your workplace and as your marketplace, we need to begin to make him known. And so what I want to tell you is that in your seat pockets in front of you, there are some Ziploc bags. And inside, just grab one of those Ziploc bags. Please do that now. Everyone, please do that. There's a Ziploc bag in the seat pocket in front of you. Unless you're in the front row, then you've got to reach behind and grab one out of the seat pocket behind you. You front row people, I love it. What's inside there are three invite cards. Three. I didn't give you 20. I didn't give you some number that was impossible to deal with. It's three invite cards. And what I want you to do is I want you to give these three invite cards away this week. Can I just ask you to be faithful to do that? And you're thinking, oh, but there's COVID. I'm not passing anything. I don't know what's going to take anything from me. Okay, make your excuses all you want. But I'm going to give you a foolproof excuse buster on the COVID problem, okay? This week, as you go, when somebody hands you something, you hand them something back. You follow me? You're already passing something between you, a cup of coffee in a Starbucks window, a grocery receipt that's happening at the end of a transaction, whatever, the keys when you get an oil change, however it takes place, 
They're handing you something. You simply say, hey, I don't know if you have a church home, but I'd love to invite you to our church some Sunday. That's it. If you want to go a step further on the back of the card, there's a little little link at the bottom that says truelife.org. Can you look at that? This is truelife.org. Truelife.org is a website that has video-based answers to some of life's toughest questions. And so you can simply say to them, hey, and if you, you know, if you don't make it to church on Sunday, check out the link at truelife.org. It gives you video-based answers to some of life's toughest questions, and you're done. Is that difficult to do for three people? Based upon what we know this world is going to do, based upon we know the prophetic word of God that says that there is an end coming and that people are going to stop listening pretty soon to this word that we have, isn't there an urgency that we would do it? And I'm only asking for you to do three. I want you to get an experience of that, and I want to challenge you to do it, and I pray that you will. I can't make you, but if I get in your car to go to lunch or something with you, and you got those on the floorboard of your car, I'm going to judge you. <laughs> Can I just go ahead and say that right now? It'll be like a shameful, slow head turn. And then I'll look up to God and say, I tried. I prayed that the fleas of a thousand camels would infest their armpits. Or some prayer remotely similar to that. Three people, folks. These are total strangers. They don't, I mean, I'm, 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 this is low stakes. This is the easiest thing. And if you can't do this, then don't even think about it, sharing your faith with anybody else. Low stakes kind of stuff. When someone hands you something this week, hand them a card in return. Listen, if you're watching at home online, you're going, well, I don't, I'm not getting the cards. I, I check my couch and there is no three cards anywhere near me. So I guess I'm off the hook. Well, no. Uh, we have shareables online for you. If you go to northpointfl.org slash share, you'll see cards there available for you to download and share. But also, I want to make you a promise. If you'll send me an email to the word hello at the npc.org, hello at the, T-H-E, npc.org. Uh, and with your address, I will send you the three cards in the mail this week. You'll have them by Wednesday. Uh, so if you make a commitment to do that, I'll get them out to you. Or you can drop by the church office and we'll hand them to you as well. The next piece I want to share with you is another strategy the first step for you, it's, listen, it's, it's, Satan has a strategy, right? He's highly intentional, and so we're going to be strategic. The first thing we're going to do is get into a rhythm and pace of learning how easy it is to invite someone to your church, a total stranger. That's your job this week. But going forward, we're going to introduce another idea, and I want to kind of tell you a little bit about that today. It's called One Neighbor and One Neighborhood. Making him known one neighbor and one neighborhood at a time. And so how that works in our church is I want everyone in our, in our community, I want you to think about your home, wherever it's located, and I want us to be strategic and intentional about making him known one neighbor at a time. And so each of us have, I'm going to say, seven neighbors adjacent to us, two on the right, two on the left, and three across the street if you live in a conventional neighborhood. If you live in a rural area, put on your hiking boots, whatever, but... Um, but for those that live in the subdivision type of thing or an apartment complex, this is something that you can do. Two on your right, two on your left, and three across. And my goal for you is to just be known in the neighborhood as a person of peace. This is more strategic, and it's going to take a little bit more time. 
It's not as simple and transactional as just handing a card and saying, good luck. And nor would you want to just kind of lamb blast your neighbor with your faith um, unless you have a relationship. I know for me, I'm pretty good at the neighbors to my left and right, but I kind of struggle with some across the street neighbors with me. Maybe you're like that. But I want to encourage you to get to know the neighbors, two on the right, two on the left, and three across the street. And simply do this. This is, this is a very strategic and practical way of doing it. Number one, be known as a person of peace in the neighborhood. That means when you're talking to these neighbors about life in general, about their yard, about their dog, and about whatever, you avoid negative talk. I, I don't care what's going on in your neighborhood. Don't throw your HOA guy under the bus. Don't, whatever, you know, I mean, that guy, that idiot, yeah. Don't talk about politics and beat up some political figure. Just be known as a person of peace. Avoid gossip and be kind and be hospitable. You want them to say about you, their neighbor, hey, you know my neighbor? He's a cool guy. I like him. That's your goal. Get to a rapport level with your neighbor to say, hey, they're, 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 they're normal people. They're not weird people. In addition to that, you want to work into the conversation that uh, you attend church. You want, to make it, you want to make it known. We're making it known one neighbor at a time. Just sometime talk about it. Hey, well, this weekend, I'd love to get together, but my family, we always go to church every Sunday. I leave it at that. Talk about your church. Casually bring it up. Hey, we had this cool camp out the other night, or uh, last year's bonfire was really fun, or we're going to have these really cool Easter services. We've never done this before. We're doing a good Friday service and kind of focusing on the sacrifice of Jesus. I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, I went fishing with some of the guys in my small group, and they're really kind of fun to hang out with small group. What's that? And you're going to get into some conversation, and you're not cramming Jesus down their throat. Look, you live with these people. You don't want to shut the door down right off the bat, right? You want to build this relationship with them. Talk about the cool discovery camp that's coming up for kids if they, if they have children. When you take a walk in your neighborhood, walk the same time of day so that you can meet the, the puppies and the dogs and the dog owners and the dog walkers that are out there so that you meet the same people every time. Wear a North Point shirt. That'll let, you, that'll let them know that you're a churchgoer. So you're not being weird, right? This isn't weird stuff. This is just as-you-go kind of stuff. But eventually, you're going to invite them to church. I don't know if you have a church. I've never heard you mention a church on Sunday, but um, if you don't have a place to go, I love our church. It's just a, it's a real, they're just normal, ordinary people. I think you'd probably fit in there pretty well and encourage people to attend. After you invite them to church, don't pressure them. Later on, when you have another conversation, say, man, how can I pray for you? You don't look like you're doing so good today. You look like you're struggling with something. Well, don't make it up if it looked like they're struggling. <laughs> I do? Oh, yeah, you look like you're going through all kinds of crap. Oh, sorry. Man. Uh, strike that from the record. But ask them how you can pray and then tell them that you are praying for them. Genuinely pray for them. Then maybe work in the conversation that, you know, if you're not ready to visit our church sometime, Go watch online. We, we're, our services are streamed every week, or you can watch them on demand. Why don't you come over for dinner sometime, and we can watch it together. We'll skip church and do lunch at our house, and we'll watch church online together. Really? You'll skip church? Yeah, we'll skip church. We'll watch it online. Find a way to do that. The same thing translates into your coworkers. Don't be a weirdo, but you can put an email footer, but make sure your email footer, when it says be kind and loving to everyone, you don't write a bunch of garbage and then send, you know, that's a 
really doesn't really add up very well. But once you've invited people, then you need to attend regularly. Why? Because they're likely to show up. I know it confuses you. But how weird is it when your neighbor or your friend shows up to church and they're like, uh, Sue, now this is weird. The person that I know ain't here, right? So let them know I go to the first service every week or I go to the second service every week. Then be consistent to that service because you know what? They're one day going to walk in the door. And we know that if they find this place, there's a high probability that they'll be introduced to Jesus in this place. The day is coming that people will no longer listen to these sound teachings. We're going to do our best to preach sound teaching. I'll do my best to make sure I don't water down God's word. And although our world is distorting the truth, it is going to be harder and harder for me to do that in a loving way in the world that won't understand but I know God will help me with that. But I tell you what will fire me up and get me more excited and our band more excited and our staff more excited and you even more excited about this church is when you see and hear more stories of real life change. I want that. Yes, it's fine when we grow our church with other Christians from other places. Maybe you've moved into town and you're, uh, we see a lot of folks that are com- moving into town looking for a good church home. It's important to have that. But send me somebody who's messy, someone who just doesn't care that I'm a preacher when we talk, and let me tell them about a hope in Jesus Christ. Man, I want this church to be full of stories like that. But how can they hear unless someone tells them, and how can someone tell them if they don't get invited? I'm just asking you to invite three random strangers. But what happens this week if those random strangers are praying for praying to a God that they don't even know really exists, but they're just asking God, if you really exist, then show me. What if your card at a Starbucks or your card at a Home Depot, or what if the same person gets three of the same cards in the same day at Starbucks? You think they're going to go, okay, Sue, God, you may be talking to me. Let's go just like, let's just go tear up the Starbucks by just giving a thousand (laughs) cards, you know? (laughs) We'll get banned from that Starbucks. (laughs) Friends and family are a little more difficult sometimes too. And you have to invite them to church and you got to be transparent because they know you as well. Don't pretend to be some godly person that you're not. Don't try to be self-righteous. Be yourself. Let's invite them to church. That's one neighbor. And then how do we do the neighborhood? Well, that's where the church takes a responsibility. What we're working on right now is a campaign to really w- reach out to neighborhoods specifically. The first thing we're doing is something called a new mover campaign. You know how many brand new houses are going up in our vicinity here alone? And so what we've done is we've contracted with an organization to help us have every name of every person that is moving into this community uh, that's either a brand new mover, but anytime there's a house sold in, in this community, whether it's a, a house sold in Turtle Lakes or one of these new neighborhoods that come up, um, they're going to get information from North Point Church to, to welcome them to our church. Uh, Katie Sauls has been working really, really hard at putting together a coupon book for new movers. And so what you don't know is where the best ice cream is. You'll never find Ice Dream Shop if you just drive down the road, right? But you ice dreamers, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those local spots, right? We want to give you a coupon to find that. 
We want to give you a coupon to an oil change to a reputable Christian um, you know, um, you know, mechanic because those are things that you need to know. You need to know where the best pizza is. You need to know where these things are. And we want to give you some practical help. And so we're, we're reaching out to every new mover in our community. And that's something that's starting actually this next Sunday. Uh, next week, all this campaign kicks off. So we're, they're starting to do the mail drops next week. We're, we're, we're preparing them and trying to invite them to, to Easter and to help them find a church home in this community. If you lived in another state and had a, had a church home that you love so much, you're looking for a church the moment you land. So there are Christians who need new homes to be able to come to, but there's also people who are in times of transition, and when you're in a time of transition, looking for something that makes sense. And we believe that nothing, more, nothing makes more sense than a relationship with God. And the last thing we're going to be doing is marketing out to our neighbors, specifically one neighborhood at a time. And so I believe Oak Grove is our first neighborhood that we'll be marketing to, giving them Easter invites and trying to make sure that that community knows and understands North Point. Later, we're going to marry serve projects to one neighborhood at a time. And so we want to just, man, we want to love on Oak Grove whatever way we can. They use, they use this location for their homeowners association meeting uh, and so their annual meeting, but also we want to get there and do a serve project for them or, or something like that. We want to do a prayer walk or, or food drive or whatever we, want to, whatever we can do. We want to get in the streets so that everyone across the street from us goes, I know that church. They're good people at that church. They're not wackos. They're not weirdos. They're not trying to shove something down my throat. They seem to be average, ordinary people with a real relationship with God. That's what we need to be known as. And so if you can work on your two neighbors down, three neighbors across, it's a longer sales cycle, right? It's a longer period of time before that they may even come to church or know Jesus Christ. But you have the biggest opportunity to do that. We marry that with opportunities that we're going to be doing as a church, and together we can partner. I think that's a great strategy. And I don't think it's that hard. I don't think I'm asking too much from you. And so I just want to encourage you. Today, yes, it's more of a formal family meeting conversation, isn't it? But I think that you understood when we talked about where the world is going and how quickly it's changing. And I think you understood that God says that people are going to be drawn away from the truth. And they're going to chase after myths and follow their itching ears. And there's a window of time when your family and friends that that is drawing close. We must do something about that. Satan has a strategy, so must we. And I believe and I desire that when God looks down upon North Point Church, he would say, I've entrusted a responsibility to this church and they're carrying it out faithfully. That's my desire. So whether you're at home or you're in this building, I'm asking you a favor. Invite three total strangers to church this week. And begin working on the two neighbors to the right, two neighbors to the left, and three neighbors across the street for the purpose of letting them know that you're a believer. Invite them to church and leave the, res- leave the results up to God. Take the pressure off yourself. But if the spiritual conversation comes up, don't shy away. Go for it. And trust the Holy Spirit is with you always. Can you do that? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in this place and to be able to share from your word. Lord, I know that there's so many things in your word that I am easily obedient to and there's other places that I struggle in obedience with. And I have to think that there's many in the room that have dropped the ball in the area of sharing their faith. 
But today I pray, Lord, that you have used me in some method to be able to speak to the hearts, not just the heads, but the hearts of the people that are listening. And to put a priority in their heart to make you known. Not to grow the church, but to grow your kingdom. Father, I don't care where they go to church at. But if they come to discover you here and then go on to serve elsewhere, may that be a legacy that we're proud of as well. Father, there are a bunch of people who are dying and are going to spend eternity in hell because we don't have the courage or the discipline or the strategy to be able to even share our faith. On our watch, God, during this season of our life and ministry of this church, may you find us faithful. And may all who come behind us find us faithful and follow in our path. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. Amen.